All right. Well, with school starting, hopefully you were able to uh, look back upon your summer and there has been something uh, really good. Uh, I just had the strangest experience. I was just threatened with death on the stage uh, by Jake. I claims that he's a Nigga Montoya, and I killed his father. Uh, and then uh, I found out that uh, someone had a trampoline, so I got the highs and the lows of, of uh, uh, the morning. Uh, if I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron, a lead pastor here for Riverwood, and I'm really, really glad that you came, uh, and uh, I'm also really, really thankful that we have air conditioning. Uh, uh, this would be a rough uh, one if we had decided to do an outdoor service this week, so I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the cool air. Uh, when you came in, hopefully from our ushers, you were able to get one of our uh, handouts. Inside of there are a bunch of announcements. I'll let you take some time uh, today to just scan through those. What I want to draw your attention to is that connection card uh, to the Riverwood family. Thank you guys for just filling that out every week, uh, using it for prayer requests, uh, signing up for various things. Uh, but if you are a first-time guest with us, if you're willing to fill out the entire front of that card and put that in our giving box on your way out, we will donate $5 to Compassion International. Uh, Compassion is an organization that has a goal of releasing children from poverty. And they work through local churches all around the world to just make an impact in the life of kids. And so uh, we decided one way we wanted to honor the, those who chose to come to a kind of a new church. We're only, uh, we're not even 10 years old yet. Uh, we thought, you know what, let's just uh, uh, honor their presence with us by making this donation. So if you'll fill that out, drop that in the giving box, oh, we will make that donation uh, sometime within this next uh, financial quarter. Uh, the one announcement I do want to draw your attention to is our uh, uh, last Riverwood hangout of the summer. Hopefully the weather will uh, cool down just a little bit for next Sunday. We're going to gather here at 6.30 p.m. We're going to meet outside. We're, gonna, we're getting a projector. We're going to shine it up on the uh, uh, side of the building and uh, just enjoy some popcorn. So bring a lawn chair to sit down. Uh, uh, bring a, a snack, a movie snack to share with others. Uh, we'll get some uh, uh, drinks and uh, some popcorn and uh, we'll enjoy some time. I think we have the movie settled, but because I've not heard 100% agreement I'm not going to share it yet, but if we choose what we're going to do, I have not seen it yet, but I have been ensured it's awesome and amazing, and apparently it contains David Spade. So that's uh, all I'm going to tell you there. Uh, this summer, at the end of July, we had uh, three youth from Riverwood go up to support our church planter, Patrick Ray, and we want to give you a report. So I'm going to invite my wife and then Zion, Caden, and Parker to come up, and they're going to give us an update on what took place up in North Minneapolis. All right, good morning. Um, a lot of you know a little bit or a lot about Patrick and Shelby Ray. Um, Riverwood has been supporting them for five years financially, and they planted a church in North Minneapolis. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about them for those of you that don't know them. I, um, interestingly enough, have not had not met Shelby until we went to North Minneapolis. Every time she was here, um, either she was sick or her kid was, was sick or I was sick. So over five years' time, I had not met her in person. So it was a blessing to be able to get to know her as well as Patrick. Um, they both um, felt called to church planting early in their life, and they moved to North Minneapolis back in 2015. Um, and for three years, they just purposefully moved into the neighborhood and were neighbors. Um, they weren't trying to start anything. They weren't trying to convince anyone of anything. They were just building trust. And Patrick really thinks of North Minneapolis as a small town. Now, it's a very different small town than Waverly. Um, kids grow up really fast there, whether that's due to drugs or alcohol or gunshots. He said about 50% of the gunshots fired in that neighborhood are pulled by someone under the age of 18. 
Um, ministry in North is urgent. Um, then back about four years ago in May 2018 was when they started gathering and inviting people to a Bible study after they'd kind of built three years of trust and relationships. And for two years, they just invited people to come and to build a community and start forming a church. He said there were only about a dozen of them that um, would gather, but they really wanted to establish a culture. And that culture was that we can have Christian unity despite our race, despite our class, despite our politics, despite anything that the world would separate us, um, Jesus is what unifies us. And so they really want to help people see how the gospel influences life and even life in your own neighborhood. They really want to be ambassadors of reconciliation. So um, they've been gathering as a local church community on Sundays for about two years and um, we've had two groups before that go up, but we just really wanted to take some teens and help them see how life is the same and how life is different, how ministry is the same and how ministry is different in a different context. So our goal was just to come alongside Patrick and Shelby and their team and to learn from them and to encourage them. Um, their last name is the Rays. So the Rays really practice um, incarnational ministry. We just joined them in their everyday life for about four days. Um, we cooked dinner and invited neighbors to come and have dinner with us. And um, there was nothing that was extreme, but everything was extremely intentional. So I'm going to let you, the guys tell you more um, about the things that we did and the things they experienced while we were there. All right. During our trip, we had opportunities to show the love of Jesus through the work we did. On Friday, we painted a fence for a man in the neighborhood who had back surgery. We worked with his neighbors, one of which works at Northside. We painted the fence with donated supplies from Riverwood. After a few hours, we finished and ate Jimmy John's with the other volunteers. I think this was a really simple yet profound way that we helped show Jesus. I also noticed that their, na their neighborhood seems to be very connected, which I thought was cool to see. It was like a big, small town. Another opportunity we had was helping set up a carnival at Northside Neighborhood's church building. We partnered up with three other churches using the same building, and we picked up a bouncy house from somebody using the neighborhood and unloaded it. We also set up chairs, tables, activities, and helped hand out food. This was organized so that people from the neighborhood would be introduced to their church. I really like working with my hands, so it was enjoyable to be able to bless the community this way. I feel these opportunities were a great way to help and show God's love to the neighborhood. Um, so, one, uh, so one thing we did um, each uh, morning was have a Bible study with Patrick. And... Um, our main focus on what uh, the qualities of an elder were, and so we used First uh, Timothy three, and so we discussed through that, and then um, then us three helped lead a backyard Bible study for kids when we invited some families of the neighborhood and church over for dinner. So we took all the kids out into the backyard, and we uh, did the story of Zacchaeus. And um, what we did is we started with a scavenger hunt. So each kid found a ring pop. And then um, I was the one telling the story. Parker acted as Zacchaeus. Caden acted as Jesus. And um, uh, so each kid had a ring pop. And Z uh, Parker, as Zacchaeus, went around and stole the ring pop from each of the kids. <laughs> and, um, 
and then um, through, uh, through telling the story when Zacchaeus finally meets Jesus, uh, then that's when he um, gave all the ring pops back. And so it was to help them feel like the weight of the story, like of what actually happened and how Jesus uh, can change people. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who supported this mission trip, both financially and spiritually. You guys raised enough money to exceed our goal, and the leftover money will be sent to Northside Neighborhood Church to co- cover for their summer VBS. And they were behind like like $300. Um, so that would be a great blessing to them. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. But I did make a video uh, covering the trip. So. All right. Caden, thanks for putting that together. And yeah, as Caden said, thank you to all of you who uh, donated. Uh, uh, yeah, you guys and, and then some of their family and friends also supported. And uh, yeah, we raised, I think, about $500 over what we needed. And uh, so we just said, uh, we'll just send it to Northside. And Patrick sent an email back saying, yeah, we were, as Caden said, we were 300 short on our VBS. Uh, so you guys covered the difference. Uh, so they just were really, really blessed. So thank you so much for your uh, support. Uh, it was absolutely great just seeing these guys, uh, these three teens, I was so proud of them. They just had amazing attitudes the entire time. Uh, they worked hard. Uh, it, was, it was excellent watching them uh, work. And, and yeah, my highlight was that backyard Bible study, just seeing these guys just rise up and really just uh, interact with the kids. Uh, it was fantastic. So thank you for your support. Uh, well, about a year and a half ago, uh, as we were working towards the conclusion of our series in Mark, I shared the story of how I met my wife, Leanne. Uh, we met in the uh, bookstore at John Brown University, and I went back and I looked. It was fall of 1992, and it would have actually been on her 19th birthday. So I like to think that I was God's gift uh, to Leanne. Within a few weeks, I was absolutely smitten. Uh, this girl was just incredibly intelligent, incredibly kind, uh, extremely extroverted, uh, but just also very godly. Uh, and I just realized I wanted more than sitting next to her in class every Tuesday and Thursday. 
Unfortunately, Leanne didn't quite feel the same way uh, about me. And so I shared, a year and a half ago, if you were in, here in that sermon, I shared how in my attempt to woo her heart, I put together a little coupon booklet. And here are some of the scans that I shared a year and a half ago. Yeah, pretty cheesy, pretty embarrassing. Uh, things like, you know, a hug if you had a bad day, take you to the romantic Taco Bell, uh, you know, go on a walk, uh, things like that. Well, she shared how when she got this uh, a little you know, gift certificate booklet, uh, she had two simultaneous responses. The first was she was just petrified. Like, oh no, like this short little nerd from Iowa like really actually likes me. Uh, so there, there was a part of her, you know, a little, little petrified. But she said another part of her was just really, really honored. Like she was, she was touched that I would take the time to put something creative like this together and, and, and give it to her and, and seek to, you know, just help her and let her know that she mattered. But I want you to imagine for a second that I, I, get the, I make this all for her. She gets it and she comes to me and holds it and goes, Aaron, this, this is so sweet. I mean, cheesy, yes, but it, it is so sweet. What, like what motivated you to do this for me? And I want you to imagine my response was this. Well, I read a book that a guy should make a coupon booklet for a girl, and you seemed as good as any. <laughs> Do you think she'd want to go on a date with me now? No, no. You see, what made it so touching, even though it scared her, was that she knew it was genuine. She didn't want my kindness out of some strange sense of obligation. She wanted because this was me. I believe God wants you. He wants the genuine, authentic you. Now, yes, God wants you to obey him even when you don't feel like it, even when sometimes it feels like an obligation because he knows that your obedience is actually gonna be for your good. But what he really wants is your heart. That when you do things for him, you're doing it motivated by his love because you love him. You see his heart for you. And so you want to do this. And today what we're going to see is that one of the greatest ways you can give your heart to God is to give your heart to others. And to see it, I want to take you to Galatians chapter 6. So if you brought a Bible with you today, open up to Galatians chapter 6. Uh, we are in a uh, short little series, uh, three-week series that we're calling Being a Penny Christian. Last week when we kicked it off, I helped you understand what a penny Christian is. Uh, a penny, as you know, is in the American economy is worth one cent, C-E-N-T. A Christian in the scriptures is one cent by Jesus, S-E-N-T. And so we're talking for these three weeks of what does it look like for us to be sent. Last week we saw that we are to be sent by giving our time. Today what we're going to see is we are sent to give our heart. And that by giving our heart to others, we're ultimately giving our heart to God. So as we get ready to jump into Galatians chapter 6, let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, this chance to gather together, to, to sing to you, to declare your praises, to hear an update on what you did through the teens up in North Minneapolis, uh, the chance to, to worship you in prayer, uh, to take communion, to, to participate and, and do this together as one church body. But Lord, I realize that, that we're here to hear from you too. As much as we want to declare your praises, we recognize we are needy people. We need you. And so God, I pray that you do what only you can do, that you would speak to the hearts and minds of those who've gathered, to, to those who are listening, to those who are tuning in, 
And that this wouldn't just be putting in some time, hearing me monologue for a half an hour, that it would be us interacting with you through your spirit and through your scripture. So Father, speak to us now through the words that have existed way before any of us were on this earth and words that will exist way after. So God, do this please for your glory as well as for our joy. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray it. Amen. Today, our key verse is going to be Galatians uh, 6, verse 10. But to put it in context, we're going to start back in verse 7. So join me at Galatians 6, starting in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, if you are new to the Bible or, or new to Christianity, I, I want you to know, like, give you some insider information. Verse 7 is a very famous verse. Many people kind of wrap it up in the little cliche that's kind of entered into the English vernacular, you reap what you sow. Now, kids, it's okay if you don't know what those words mean, because I didn't know what they were for a long time. In fact, I accidentally in my head flipped the meaning of those words. So today, if I accidentally say it the wrong way, it, that's my inner child coming out. So let me give you the correct definition. The word sow means to plant. A farmer goes out to sow his seed. So he's planting, he's throwing the seed in the soil. Then after the seed has taken root and a plant grows up and a crop is formed, you go out to reap. You harvest, all right? So you reap what you sow. So if you sow barley, you're not going to reap apples. You're going to reap barley. If you sow pineapples, all right, you're not going to reap, you know, cherries, all right? You, you reap what you sow. Well, this little phrase is not just famous in English. It was very famous in Greek, which is the language Paul was writing in when he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. And it was famous in Hebrew, the, old the language used to write for most of the Old Testament. I, one commentary I consulted this week gave eight different references to this concept of reaping and sowing back in the Old Testament. And it makes sense because these ancient cultures were uh, basically agrarian. They, they were farmers. Uh, yeah, there were other jobs. You know, there were religious leaders. There were people who made clothing and pottery. But a lot of the people either had to do livestock, they were shepherds, or they had to raise uh, 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 crops. They were farmers. And so they understood this idea of reaping and sowing. So the old biblical writers would use this farming imagery to draw home a, 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 a deeper spiritual point. And so that's all Paul is doing here. He's trying to take this farming illustration and make a point. Now, I believe the point that he's making has two levels to it. Right? The, the first level we've got to see is within the context of the book of Galatians. Uh, this past year, our uh, youth group on Wednesday night studied through the, the whole book of Galatians. And we saw Paul regularly talking about what is it that you put your trust in for your salvation? In, in our day and age, I think there are people who, in, in a sense of, of you know, trying to control their, their spiritual growth, control their salvation to impress God, 
they, they focus on things like, you know, make sure they get to church every week or, or you know, what, uh, you know, that they use the right Bible translation or, you know, that maybe not saying certain words or not, you know, watching certain movies. They, they try to control through their behavior their salvation. Paul's audience was a little different. The Galatians, these brand new followers of Jesus, were receiving a lot of pressure from those who were Jews to go through Jewish customs, one such as circumcision. The belief was that if, you, if, a, if a man was not circumcised, he could not be saved. Well, what he's trying to point out here is that if you sow into the flesh this, this spiritual act of circumcision, you're going to reap corruption, he says. Why corruption? Because he knows that you cannot be saved by this physical act. As we saw, as we've been going through the book of Acts, and by the way, we'll be back in the book of Acts here in about, I think, three weeks. But we were studying in the book of Acts, I think this is back in like March or April. We saw in chapter 4, the disciples, as they stood before the Sanhedrin, they said that there is no other name under heaven by which a person may be saved. It's only through Jesus. And so Paul knows if you're putting all of your trust in your salvation, in your work like circumcision or, you know, some of the other things were, you know, observance of Jewish festivals, that is empty. So if you sow into this empty thing, you're going to reap emptiness. But notice he said, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. That's because if you're putting your trust in anything other than Christ, that's sin. And that is corrupt. So if you sow into this corrupt thing, you're going to reap corruption because you reap what you sow. That, that's the first level that he's talking about. But I believe there's a second level because I believe what he's saying here about like these, you know, things like circumcision, observance to the festivals, I think it applies to all sin and all righteousness. That, that if you sow uh, cruelty, you will reap cruelty. But if you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. If you sow selfishly, you're going to reap unhappiness. But if you sow selflessly, over time, you will reap Christ-like joy. You will reap what you sow. But did you notice, when Paul starts off this little conversation about verse 7, he starts with a warning. I think a lot of us, as we were hearing this, were inwardly nodding our head, yes. Like, yeah, this sounds good. This sounds natural. You reap what you sow. Yeah, so if you're going to be nasty, you can expect to reap nastiness. But he puts a warning in there. It's this very start of verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I suspect he puts this in here because if he had just said, hey, you reap what you sow, the Galatian readers would have just nodded their head. Yes, um, yeah, he's right. We all know that. And then let's just move on. And so it's like he's saying, whoa, whoa, hang on. Stop. L- listen up. Because there are things that you might be sowing into the flesh. And yet because you're deceiving yourself, you don't realize it. And so in my attempt to protect you and to help you, I don't want to see you reap the consequences of that. So what we have to do is we've got to stop and we need to ask ourselves, have we been deceiving ourselves? Have there been some ways that you've been sowing to the flesh and not to the spirit? Because so many of us Christians, what we try and do is we try to walk in two places at the same time. 
We, we, we try to, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I listen to Christian radio. You know, I, I go to church. I, I, I do all these nice things. But I'm also sowing this. And we deceive ourselves thinking, ah, this is fine. It's not, it's not a problem. I can keep this hidden. It's not affecting anyone. It's like Paul saying, well, hang on. Don't deceive yourself. Because if you're sowing into that, you're going to reap some things you don't want. Let, just to help prime your thinker pump, let me, let me give you a couple of examples. Christians know that the scriptures are clear. Gossip is not good at all. Gossip is wrong. The man, it sure is fun. But no, 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 we, we, we shouldn't do it. We can't do it. Oh, and so you know what? I've got a prayer request. See, we justify our gossip. Oh, hey, would you, would you pray for so-and-so? And then we tell the tidbit. But what happens is we sow that, we reap corruption. We end up destroying someone's reputation. Sometimes we end up destroying a relationship. We might even destroy our own relationship or reputation. Another example. Christians would say, Jesus died on a cross for the, our sins and rose again from the dead. So he generously gave of his entire life and so if that's the foundation for Christianity, the generosity of Jesus, well, that means that anyone who follows Jesus should live a generous life. And so we claim, yeah, I follow Jesus, but then we sow sparingly. We don't give of our time. We don't give financially. And then we're, we're shocked when we just don't seem to have enough or things aren't going the way we want. You know, but yet we seem to always have time for our hobbies. We always seem to be able to afford our streaming platform. We always seem to be able to do all these other things. But, you know, I just don't have enough time to serve. I don't have enough to give to that mission project that the youth are doing. I just, I just can't do it. And what we're doing is we're sowing to our own flesh. And Paul wants to go, hang on, don't do that. Because you're not going to like what you reap. It's not getting you where you think it's getting you. So he puts this warning in here. This is why Jesus tells us, you cannot serve two masters. Paul's saying, sow to the spirit. Give it all to God. Put him first. Yeah, it can be hard. It can feel like sacrifice. But ultimately, you're going to grow something beautiful and great. Now, don't, don't mishear me on this, all right? I'm not saying that every single thing that you go through, all the pain, all the difficulty, all the struggle, I'm not saying that that is because you sowed to the flesh. Right? Jesus himself never sinned. He did not sow to the flesh once. And yet we see him rejected. We see him mocked. We see him beaten. We see him killed. So, so Jesus went through difficulty. So some of the difficulty you go through in life, it's because of the fallen state of our world, not because of your own direct sin sowing to the flesh. But how do you tell the difference? Well, if you are a Jesus follower, the scriptures say that, that when you give your life to Christ, God puts his Holy Spirit in you. And so the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And so God is able and capable to help reveal to you whether the struggle you're going through is because of your own sin or just because of the difficulty of our world. So you genuinely seek after God and you pray. And that means that that difficulty, that struggle, that is a gift. 
as painful as it can be. Because when you take that moment to pray, God, is this because of my own sin? Have I been deceiving myself, unknowingly sowing to the flesh? And he says yes and reveals it to you. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It is painful. It is convicting. And yet it is a gift. There's your opportunity to pray, to confess. First uh, John 1.8 says that when you confess your sin, God is able and just to forgive you of that sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so when you realize the truth, God reveals it to you, that you've been deceiving yourself, you have been sowing to, the, to your own flesh, you now have this opportunity to confess it, and, and that begins to nip that in the bud. There may still be some natural consequences, but this is an opportunity to begin anew because God's mercies are new every morning. But what do you do when you pray? And you realize the struggle I'm going through is not because of my own sin. Well, then you just simply pray for the strength to make it through. James 1 says that when you encounter these trials of many kinds, that's your opportunity to pray and trust God because in that moment, as you persevere through it, God's doing something deep within you. It says that it will make you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And that means that is a gift. So when you're going through something hard, it doesn't mean God is directly punishing you. It might just be the natural consequences. This might be you just naturally reaping what you have sown. But it also might just be the difficulty of life. And so in the painful moments, seek after God. All right, so that... That's the, the first part we, we see here. You reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life. But how do you do that? What does it look like to sow to the spirit? Well, Paul tells us in verses 9 and 10. He says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right, so how do you sow to the Spirit? By doing what's right. And what is right? Doing good to everyone. Or to put it in today's language, give your heart to them. But exactly how do you do that? Well, he begins to tell us in verse 10, our key verse today. He says first, let us do good to Everyone. And notice it's everyone. It is not just those who look like you, dress like you, vote like you, listen to the same kind of music, watch the same kind of movies, have the same income level. No, it's do good to everyone. But then notice he sticks on another phrase, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. <laughs> we in our culture love to rank. I mean, just this last week, the uh, college preseason top 25 rankings came out. Uh, we, we love to rank everything. Movies, best-selling albums, most powerful Pokemon card. I mean, we are ranking everything. And so when we read something like this, we, we begin to rank. We begin to think, oh, well, okay, so we do good to everyone, but the people in the church are more important. We rank them, and so we, we just love our, you know, our, our church family. And if we can do something nice to someone else, yeah, okay, yeah, that's good. But no, the rankings say. That, that's not how rankings work in God's economy. It's, to help you understand, right, let's go to Romans 1, verse 16. Some of you know this verse. This is a very famous verse. It's where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. But at the end of that verse, he says, 
And Jesus came first for the Jew and also for the Greek. Now, in our ranking brains, that means, oh, the Jews are more important. And then us non-Jews, us Gentiles, were in second place. So we're less than, we're not as good. No. It says that Jesus came first for the Jew and for the Greek, for the Gentile. It's not a, a, a ranking. It's, it's both. Yes, he came first for the Jews because Jesus was a Jew. God was fulfilling Jewish prophecy. It was through the Jews that God wanted to bring Jesus to bless the world. He came first for the Jews and for the Gentiles. Let me give you another example. The Trinity itself. There is an order. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. And yet, that's not a ranking system. The Father is not better or more important than the Son. The Son is not better or more important than the Spirit. The Spirit does not trump the Father. They are completely one, completely unified. They are completely equal. They're not ranked. So when Paul says here, do good to everyone and especially to those in the church, it's not a ranking system where the people of the church become more important. So what is his point? Where's he going with this? I believe he is saying, do good to everyone and to help you practice, start with those in the household of faith. Because a healthy church has different personalities, different income levels, different perspectives, different backgrounds, different everything. And if you can learn to love within all those differences, you are primed and ready to do good to everyone. Kids, God put you in a family to practice. I don't know why it is, but usually the people we are meanest to are the people we live with, the people we are related to. And so if you can learn how to be incredibly kind to your siblings, to be honoring to your parents, if husbands and wives can learn how to speak incredible words of, of honor to one another on a regular, natural basis, if you can do it in that environment, you are going to be amazing outside. Like kids, your, your classmates will want to be friends with you. Your coaches will be thrilled you are on the team. Colleges will want you to come to their campus. Companies will want to hire you and will promote you because you are amazing. And to get you there, God has put you in a family. That's your training ground. This is your practice. And if you can learn to do that there, whoo, look out world, because you're going to go on to do good to everyone. And so if that's what God does with blood families, then it's what he's doing with his spiritual family. If you are a follower of Christ, you are part of the family of God. And he's put you into that family to live with them, to learn from them, and to love them. That is why, as we saw this summer in our One Another series, in our, our weekly email, we are to love one another, to serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another. We are to live out these one another's because if we can do it right here, look out. We will be amazing out there. That is what it means to sow to the Spirit. It's to do good. And when you do good right here, we will be able to change the world out there. But how do you do, go about doing this? Because it's one thing for me to talk about it. It's another to actually do it. How do we grow in this? 
Now, last week I gave you three tips in about giving time. So this week I'm going to do the same. I'm going to give you three tips in how to be a penny Christian who gives of their heart. All right, in order to give of your heart, to do good to everyone, especially those within the household of faith, the first thing is you're going to have to be soft. And when I use the word soft, I do not mean be weak-willed, uh, you know, a doormat that people just walk all over. No, I mean soft-hearted in being caring, of putting the needs of others first, of, of truly listening. Now, that is really difficult to do if you've been hurt. If, if things have been done to you, if things have been said about you, it is so difficult to be so soft-hearted that you can genuinely care because hurt hearts want to protect. Hurt hearts want other people to understand the feelings and emotions. You, you've heard the, the phrase, uh, hurt, hurt people, hurt people. And, and so if you're going to do this, if you're going to give your heart to others, there's going to have to be some softness about you. And if you realize and you're honest and saying, I'm not very soft, then you're going to have to seek God and let him begin to soften you up. Now, I believe God can use all sorts of things. I think he can use counseling. I think he can use time. I think he uses other people. But ultimately, I think it comes by seeing Jesus. When you see the heart of God for you, as shown through the cross in the empty tomb, when you realize Jesus held nothing back to make you his, that can be the foundation for this healing process that might incorporate counseling, might incorporate you know, conversations, might incorporate some of these things. But ultimately, it is founded on the gospel. Because as you realize how much God treasures you, you start realizing just how accepted you are. And so it's okay if others don't accept you the same way. And then as you get softened, you begin to be able to do good to everyone, even those who are in the household of faith. The second thing, my second tip, is just go serve. To do good means you can't just have good intentions. You got to actually, you know, put your words into action. You've got to, to get involved. And so go serve your neighbor. Like go serve once a week at the school. Go serve at a, a senior citizen center. Go serve once a month at the uh, a monthly food pantry. Uh, serve once a week for half an hour in the, the school system through all-in mentoring. Like just go and serve. Because as you're serving, you're doing good to them. But again, notice Paul says to do good to everyone, practice, start within the family. So if you consider Riverwood your home church, just start here. Just serve. So many of you are. But if you aren't, just go hold some babies in the nursery. Just help the, the, the preschoolers play and then give them a 10, 15 minute lesson. Go serve in the cafe. Olivia's just agreed to, to be our point leader now that Allison's taken off to college. She'd love to have the help. Go, go greet people at the door. You have to put up the heat like I did today. But, but just do what you can. Just begin to serve. Give your heart. Because as you give your heart right here, God is helping do something in you so you can do something out there and be a penny Christian. All right, so be soft. Go serve. And no, it's not soft serve ice cream. That sounds really good right now, though. Then the third tip is just to personally sow. Obviously, in our context, God is saying, go and serve. I mean, go and sow to the Spirit by doing good to everyone. 
But I believe also sowing personally through prayer, through the scriptures, through, through worship, by, by getting around other people who are going to help encourage you and hold you accountable. Like the, the more you do that, the more God will soften you, the more he'll give you opportunities to serve just continue to sow personally. Let this filter down to this point so that it can filter out to everyone else and the other points. All right, so be soft, go serve, but then just continually let God sow into you. Because if you don't, what's gonna happen is you're gonna find yourself wanting to go and sow to your own flesh. It's so tempting. And so often those things that we wanna sow into, they're not necessarily bad but what we do is we let these, these good things become ultimate things. That's when it becomes a bad thing. And so some of you, you might need to cut some things out for a time. You might need to stop sowing to certain things just so you have some time to breathe, to get some space from that. And you begin to take the time to begin to sow into the spirit and let God begin to work deeper within you. Because God is trying to protect you from reaping some of the things that you do not want to reap because he loves you, he's for you, and he wants to do something great through you. But to do that, he wants to do something great first in you. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I want you to realize almost everything that I just said is aimed at people who already know this gospel. But it does not mean that this is not for you at all. Instead, this is your invitation to give your life to Jesus. God loved you so much, he gave his one and only son. Jesus willingly went to that cross to die for your sin. The penalty of sin is death. And yet Jesus went and paid your penalty for you so that he could then invite you into the life he always intended for you. And so today, if you realize the truth of this, I encourage you, make today your spiritual birthday. Give your life to Jesus and let him then begin this process of helping you to sow into the spirit and he can grow something great through you and when your life is done, you will reap eternal life. For others of you, though, you're here today and you're saying, yeah, Aaron, I know I'm a follower of Jesus. I know this story. But when you said, are you so into your flesh? I realize I am. I've been so into the flesh in this area or that one. I, 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 I come here on Sunday and I, I talk the good talk, but I realize on Monday I'm, I'm someone different. This is your opportunity to confess. To help you realize what Jesus has done for you, we're going to go to the communion elements. D during the time of communion, this is your opportunity to just in your heart bow before God. And if, if he shows you, here's what you're doing, this is a gift. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It can be painful. But this is your opportunity to confess. But for you, I'm going to encourage you to take this one step further. Because if you're like me, you've had many moments where you've confessed to God. You say it on Sunday and you mean it. But then Monday comes, or a week later, or a month later, and suddenly you find yourself right back sowing to the flesh. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Go and tell someone else. If you have a great relationship with your spouse, you can tell them, confess it to them. Maybe it's someone who's already in your growth group, someone that you just know I can trust, I can share this with. But sometimes when you now confess it to another person, you're letting God use that person like Jesus with skin on. And you're now saying it out loud and you're inviting them to say, hey, help me not continue to sow to the flesh because I don't want to reap corruption and destruction. 
So as we go to the communion elements, if you need to, to confess, and then send a text, pull out your phone, or make it time, you know, give someone a call this afternoon. Let's do this. Because God wants to do something great in you so he can do something great through you. And I want to see you have the joy of giving your heart. But it can't happen when you're sowing to yourself. So Heavenly Father, uh, as we uh, head to the communion elements, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in this moment. Uh, I pray that you would um, open our eyes to, to that which is not of you. And that you don't do this to, to shame us, to embarrass us, uh, to make us feel pathetic. You do this because you love us and you have something far better for us. So God, I pray you give us the guts right now to open up to you, to let your Holy Spirit into every area of our life and, and to confess these things to you so that you might make us into the people you call us to be. Lord, there is a hurting, dying world out there and yet we are not reaching them because we're so wrapped up in ourselves. So Lord, I pray you just continue to help untangle us from this sin that so easily binds. And instead, we would be enwrapped in, in the righteousness of Christ, letting your spirit fill us and empower us so that we can not only live the life you've intended for us to live, but to, to go be the blessing you always wanted us to be. And so Lord, do right now what you need to do. Help us, Father, to, to bow before your throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Help us to, to, to uh, just be fully open. And, and Lord, for the person who is in a struggle right now, and it is not because of their, their own sin, it is just because of the, the, the ways of the world, it's because of what's happening on the job, it's what's happening in that relationship, and this is not because of them. I pray you would help them to just trust you, that you will give the strength that they need to make it through that. So Lord, do what you need to right now to draw us to your throne to seek your face, to know you are good and allow you to make us soft and to send us to go and serve. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So at any time during the song, feel free to make your way to the communion tables. Uh, you may bring it back to your uh, seat. Uh, if you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, and, and what I, when I talked about giving your life to him, you're just not sure about that, I'm just gonna ask that you politely and respectfully not go to these communion elements. Because to take of these elements means you are declaring that the death and resurrection of Jesus was done for you. Because that, that little wafer, that represents Jesus' body. The, the cup, the, the juice represents his blood. And, and so when you take that into you, you are saying, this is what I am all about. And, and so kids, to you, I just say, you got to talk to your mom and dad. They know you best. If your mom and dad say, no, not right now, they're not trying to keep a snack away from you. We'll still have donuts and, and water and juice out there. You guys can enjoy that after. This right now is about worship. This is a sacrament, and it is coming before God, remembering what Jesus did for us. But if you are here, even if this is your first time, and you know this gospel, you know what Jesus did for you, and this is personal, then come. No matter what you've done this week, no matter what you're wrestling with, Jesus did not die for the good. He died for the sinners. So yes, even you can come to this table, partake of these elements, and declare once again what Jesus has done on your behalf, and you can commit yourself again to him. So let us do this now in remembrance of him.